0: Thank you for listening to this message from Waynesboro Free Methodist Church. Our mission is to multiply faithful followers of Jesus Christ. We hope this message helps you along your journey. There we go. Get these things out. You know what these are, right? It's called a Bible. Acts chapter 6 is where we're going to be today. If you didn't happen to bring a Bible with you, there's one in the seat back right in front of you. Guys, the words are too good for you to just take them as mine. So get those Bibles out. Turn to Acts chapter 6. Last week, we launched a series called Mission. It's this initiative for us as a church family to go really deep into the biblical nature of our mission at our church, which is what? Multiply faithful followers of Jesus Christ. So to to kick off today, let me uh, start it off this way. I personally have always had an appreciation for... uh, Spec ops operations, like special operations in the military and police forces, right? So, uh, when I say spec ops, I'm talking about like maybe SWAT teams, I'm talking about uh, the, the SEAL Team 6 stuff that's always happening. I, I have an appreciation for those things because they're really difficult, but also I just am fascinated by them. I kind of wanted to be one when I was growing up. Um, I, I loved movies about them, I love shows, I love games, video games, whatever. I, lo- I always grew up loving these things. and. And ironically enough, um, while I wanted to be one when I grew up as a kid, uh, here I am. Uh, I have an identical twin who is now one of those. Right, so he is actually a a, a SWAT officer or Spec spec Ops officer in the city in which he lives, and I admire the junk out of him uh, for his role in our community, and I'm grateful for his service and. Uh, so, and I'm also just in admiration of all the cool things that he gets to do, right? Like repelling off of rooftops, whatever. It's all fun stuff. Um, <laughs> like that's all he does, right? But let's say, so he's, he's on a team uh, with, a, with a unit. And so let's say he and his team were to get a call uh, in an emergency situation and they were summoned to the headquarters. So they, they all get to the headquarters, they gear up real quick in the emergency situation and they're, they're in the, the, the room with their, uh, their commanding officer or their CO and their CO simply just says to them, hey, we've got a hostage situation, we need you to solve it, go, right? And then they just all run off, right? Uh, would, 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 you, would you think that they would have enough information that, that was necessary for them to uh, accomplish the mission? Absolutely not. No, they would not have enough. You'd have one officer rappelling down the building and crashing into the wrong floor, right? You'd have the other officer doing hostage negotiations uh, with the Dunkin' Donuts across the street instead of the bank. No, what what needs to happen is they need to be properly briefed, right? To brief is uh, to instruct or to inform someone thoroughly, especially in preparation for a task. They need... The briefing of the specific situation. And not only that, but they, they need the briefing on the specific strategies, right? Or else they're all going to be off doing their own thing, trying, trying to, to, to solve the problem on their own. And that's why the success of their mission will be determined or only as good as their briefing, right? And I believe the same thing is true here. The success of our mission will only be as good as our briefing as good as we go into the word of God and understand how is God accomplishing the multiplying of faithful followers of Jesus Christ in the world through us. How do we do it? And our success in this mission will only be as good as our briefings. And so, so that's why in these next weeks to come, we're gonna start off this series uh, uh, going through our mission in brief, right? With briefings, specific briefings going word by word, walking through our mission statement together according to God's word. So, so picture us now. We're 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 assembled, right? We've been assembled like the Avengers, and we're getting briefed, right? We're getting briefed for our mission. This is our headquarters, right? And I'm your commanding officer. No, I'm just kidding. So we we we've, we're in headquarters. We're getting briefed, and we're going to start with our first briefing this week on simply the word multiply. Can you say that with me? One, two, three. Multiply. That starts off our. Mission, And I I, I can't go into this word without addressing some of the baggage that some of us might carry when it comes to multiplication, when it comes to multiplying. Uh, We've got some baggage because for many of you, math wasn't just the most difficult subject in school, it was the one you most disliked. point proven. So to start off our mission with a mathematical term is already depressing for some of you, right? Why'd we have to make it a mathematical mission, right? Couldn't we have picked a different topic from school to make our mission around? Like if we picked sports or PE, like like tackling the great commission for the Lord or, or spiking hell for heaven's sake. Or what if we picked the topic of life skills, right? You know that life skills class that everybody didn't enjoy? Baking up followers of Jesus Christ, right? We could do that. Or, or cross-stitching people together into the image of Jesus. We could have, we could guys, I'm sorry. Those were incredibly corny, but I have one more. Rescuing those choking on sin and death. Because you know in life skills, how you learn the, the thingy, bleh, right? The Heimlich, the Heimlich maneuver. I don't have any more, right? That's that's the last of them. You're welcome for that. And all God's people did say amen. Guys, the word multiply wasn't just chosen for an ethereal reason. There's very intentional reasons and purposes why multiply kicks off our mission. And today I want to be uh, briefing us on... on What multiplication is, why, and how it works according to the New Testament church in the book of Acts. So that's why we're in Acts chapter 6. But guys, there's a lot of context to where we're at in verse 7. So I don't want to just jump to write verse 7. I want us to dance around a little bit. And and so we obviously know, uh, for those of you who don't actually, if you're not familiar with God's word, the book of Acts falls right after uh, Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection and it documents the workings or the acts of the Holy Spirit and the acts of the disciples or the the, the New Testament church. And and it includes this incredible, empowering Spirit of God falling on His people, filling every believer. And it also includes these apostles going around and and preaching and teaching God's Word. People are being saved and people are being added unto the Lord. In fact, Acts 5.14 says, More than ever, believers were added to the Lord multitudes of both men and women. May that be the word for our church. Amen. We even saw uh, in in Acts 5, right before Acts chapter 6, we see in Acts 5 that these Jewish priests were getting so jealous that the church was growing and multiplying so rapidly that they arrested the apostles. They command them not to preach in the name of of Jesus. They, They beat them and then released them. And the apostles, you know what they do? They don't don't go cower away again. They say, oh, thank you for that. Thank you for beating us. Thank you for letting us bear the reproach of the cross with Christ Jesus. But we're not listening to you. We can't obey men over God. We got to obey God over man. So we're going to keep on preaching. You can't quiet us. And that's where we get to chapter six. Look at verse one. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And what they said pleased the whole gathering. And they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. And Philip and Prochorus and Nicanor and Timon and Parmenas and Nicolaus and a proselyte of Antioch. These they set before the apostles and they prayed and laid their hands on him, them. And now we get to our key verse. And the word of God continued to increase. And the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem and a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. This is the word of the Lord. So, we've got problems in the church. There's some church hurt happening here. Right? Some some, some of the widows, Hellenist widows, are getting neglected in the, the food distributions and the apostles say, hey, we've got an idea. Let's solve it this way. And they present it and Everybody agrees upon it. They appoint men to serve, and the problem's solved, right? And that's when we get to verse 7. And verse 7 is broken up into three kind of parts to it, right? We've got the first part where it says God's word kept on increasing. God's word kept increasing, which is an interesting way. All the commentators are like, this is an interesting way to describe it, but really picture God's word as a seed, right, like the parable and and being cast out and and falling on good soil, right? So, so, So we've got this, it's increasing. There's more and more seeds taking roots. It's growing, it's increasing. And then we get to the main part of verse seven that we're looking at. It says that the disciples multiplied greatly. There's our key word, that word that a lot of us have scarring from in high school and middle school, multiply. And then, we even see at the end of verse seven that even priests were becoming obedient to the faith. In other words, they were being convinced that the faith was true and their lives were in accordance with it. So the, the, the main concept that we want to hone in on is just what the, what's in that second part. The, the disciples multiplied greatly. Disciples multiplying. So sometimes scripture, scripture will say that the number of disciples increased or, or grew And it will also say at times that it multiplied. And you can see that as an example in Acts chapter 9, verse 31. It says this, So the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria had peace and was being built up, and walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, it what? Multiplied. That's hard to read, isn't it? That shall be solved next week. Guys, it seems as if Scripture uses the concepts of growing or, or building and multiplying differently. Those are two different biblical terms. They're not the same. They're kind of similar, but they're not the same. So when, when we talk about church growth, what do, we, what do we picture? More butts in pews and bucks in the plate. Isn't that typically what church growth is? referred to as, that's actually how pastors talk about it, butts and bucks. I'm, I'm not making this up. I don't, I don't talk like this. I don't think any of you have heard me talk like this, but I'm just, I'm, I'm making fun of the church growth culture that's among so many pastors today who are trying to get so many people in their pews by being so sinker sensitive that they water down the gospel and they don't have any truth in their messages. But when we talk about church growth, when we study church growth church growth, we we, we picture numbers being added to the church. But that's not how scripture reviews or, or or even refers to growth as. No, that's that's not scriptural growth. See, growth is literally what we just spent the whole summer talking about, being transformed growing into the image of Christ coming up from an infant into an adult in Christ. That's growth. That's what scripture refers to as growth. That's why we see in verse 31 it says the peace and was being built up. It was growing. It was looking more and more like Jesus. And so, one of the things that I want to be very careful when I say that my heart's greatest desire is for this church family to grow, I can say that and my intention not be, let's try to get as many people in here as possible, though that is something that would be cool. When I say I want this church to grow, goodness, I wanna see Jesus in you. I wanna see you guys growing up, I wanna see all of us together, life on life, intimately connected, growing into the image of Jesus. So that when the world looks here, they don't see Scott Brough, they don't see Ethan Colvin, they don't see a leadership team. They see Jesus as the church in the image of Christ, that we would be that. But now, of course there's this sense where we know that we've got to go into the world. We get to be in partnership with God going into the world and bringing people into the kingdom of God. And that's where the mathematical terms come in less organic and more mathematical. When we talk about adding in of new people into the kingdom of God, that's when scripture uses the word multiplied. You can see it multiplied. That's why we start off our wording of our, our, our mission with multiply. Guys, we don't want to just be so s- simply inwardly focused into what happens right here that we lose sight of the world that desperately needs Jesus. We don't want to be such an inwardly focused church that all we care about is is, is simply building one another up when there's people who can be built up in Christ outside of these walls and need Jesus. So yes, we, we want to see people growing up in Christ and we want to see new people being added in. We want to see lost people being found, infant believers growing up into maturity as well. In other words, we want to grow in maturity and then multiply that maturity. So instead of thinking in terms of breadth, we're thinking in terms of depth. And as we go deeper, the natural overflow is to go wider. We want to multiply mature believers, faithful followers. Why? Why multiply? Guys, multiply has been on the heart of God since the beginning of creation, has it not? It's the very first commandment that God gave to humanity. Be fruitful and multiply. Now, of course, we know what that means. Make a lot of babies. And all the men said, amen, right? It means, yes, be fruitful, multiply, Fill the earth with creations, with humanity. But guys, you got to remember, that humanity was made in the perfect image of God and had not fallen yet. So we were to be multiplying image bearers of God. So multiplication of godly people was the design from the start. And not only that, we, we see after the fall, God still say, hey, that's the mission. That's what I want you to do. Multiply, bear fruit and multiply, be fruitful. He says it to Noah after the flood, after he cleansed the earth with the flood, he said to Noah, be fruitful and multiply. We see God's people in slavery to Egypt, in Exodus, and yet we find them multiplying so numerously. And guys, we could keep going through the Old Testament, but we, what, if we, what if we look at the end of the age? What if we look there, not just in Old Testament history, not just in New Testament church, but what if we look at the coming kingdom of God, what do we see? We see in Revelation a multitude. Multiplied people, too numerous to count, gathered in from where? Every tribe, every language, every people, and every ethnicity, and they're all gathered around the throne of God. They're clothed in the righteousness of of Jesus, and they're singing his praises. That is the scene of heaven, a multitude, a multiplicity of people. God desires for his people to be multiplying across every single line that seems to be dividing us today. Ethnicity, language, political lines, culture, so on and so forth. God desires for us to be multiplying. And yet, what does that even mean, right? We're still kind of out there. What do we we mean by multiply? How do we even go about doing that? Now, I'm about to share something with you that some of you might be like, ew, Um, and I don't think I've shared it before. Uh, Math was my favorite subject throughout school. Yeah, I, I thought so. Save the tomatoes and celery and lettuce for the heresy. I don't need to hear it right now. Math was my favorite subject. So like algebra and geometry, trigonometry, I I loved it. I loved statistics. Man, I aced statistics. Calculus, it's like a good morning cup of coffee. Those things were my jam. You know what I wasn't good at throughout school? Reading and literature. (laughs) And yet, what is my job? (laughs) All the time. (laughs) Guys, I feel like Moses sometimes. I'm literally, God, you literally got the wrong guy. I've got a reading problem, okay? (laughs) We gotta figure something out. Guys, did you also know I did terrible in communications in college? Who to thunk? <laughs> that's besides the point. So I enjoyed math so much uh, that I actually was a math tutor in college. So I, I tutored college-level math, and, 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 and that's really why I know so many people did not like math, right? But I apologize, the, the math tutor in me and the biblical literacy, uh, literalists in me uh, in, in, in understanding multiplication uh, means that we are going to have a quick math lesson. I'm sorry. So what do we define multiplication as? Because uh, it's, 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 a very, uh, a, it's a very good way to translate the Greek, uh, but we need to maybe get some understanding of it in, in our English culture. What do we understand multiplication to be? What is the, the easy definition of it? A fast way of adding, yeah? Technically, the the real term is repeated addition, right? Can you say that with me? One, two, three. Repeated addition. For those of you who are homeschooling your kids this year, you're welcome. We're getting you a head start on this. So repeated addition. So for example, let's say we wanted to take three times five. Obviously, if you know your times table, it's what? Fifteen. But you did that because you already memorized it. The math behind it is this. You take three and add it to itself five times. So three plus three plus three plus three plus three is 15. So this is repeated addition. Multiplication is repeated addition. Now, let's take this. That's the math lesson. Boom, done. That's all it took. Didn't hurt too hard, did it? So now we're going to land this into the multiplication of faithful followers. What does scripture mean when it talks about multiplying? So I'm going to introduce you to Mark you say, hi Mark. hi, Mark? Hi, Mark. Mark has been following Jesus. And, and recently, he became really deeply convinced that, that, that the purpose and mission of his life could be used for something much more. In fact, he, thought it, he found out that it can be used to make disciples and, and people can experience the same level of joy in Christ that he has. So Mark decides that he's going to start reaching out to people and start sharing the gospel with people around him. Not awkwardly, right? But genuinely, relationally. And he starts giving them the gospel of the kingdom of heaven that says Jesus has done everything necessary to save us from our sin and to restore us back to God. He starts sharing it with people. Some people, ah! They mock him. Some people like, ah, that's, I, I, I've got to get over some things real quick. Some people say, I, I don't think I can deserve that. But then there's this one person that he shares the gospel with. Mila. Say hi Mila. Mila. She receives the gospel in faith. She believes it. Now have we multiplied? No. No, this is this is not multiplication. What have we what have we done? Addition, right? We've just taken one We've added one, so now we have two faithful followers of Jesus Christ. Now what do we need to do in order to multiply? It's what? Repeated addition. you like that? It's swooped down. Okay. We need to repeat the addition, which means, while Mark was also reaching out to Mila, he ended up sharing the gospel with his friend. Maverick, who lives next door to him. And he, Maverick receives it by faith. So can you say, hi, Maverick? Hi. hi, Maverick. That's the last time I'll ask you to do that. It's weird, isn't it? Saying hi to a silhouette figure. So now, have we multiplied? Yeah, we've repeated the addition. Right? One times three is three. Or one plus one plus one is three. We've repeated the addition. Addition. So technically, yes, this is multiplication. This is multiplying disciples. And yet we still have a problem. Do you know what the problem is? Mark is the only one reaching out with the gospel of Jesus. Which means we will only have as many followers of Jesus Christ as Mark is sharing the gospel with and it is received. So let's say Mark did this once a year. Right? Once a year he tried to make it his goal to to bring somebody into the kingdom of God through the gospel. If he did that for 30 years, how many disciples would we have? 30. Right? Over 30 years, only 30. Guys, Waynesboro City itself has 22,828 people living in it. And it has grown at a rate of 8.67% since the last census in 2010. So, is this model of multiplication depending on one person to accomplish the mission? Is this model of multiplication in any way going to be effective in reaching the community around us? No. Is it going to be in any way effective in reaching the massive number of babies being born and the growth rate of humanity happening even in just our little county today? Is this going to impact that at all? Mm Mm-mm. Which doesn't mean that this isn't important. But guys, the multiplication of faithful followers of Jesus across our city and across the generations will not happen here if y'all are depending on one person to do it. It won't make any effect into the community. It won't make any effect across generational lines. If you're depending on maybe that one spiritual person that goes to our church, yeah, they seem to be a real true evangelist, goodness. Let's let them take care of it. It's not going to happen. So this is why we don't limit our mission to just simply making faithful followers of Jesus Christ. We say multiply. We have a goal of multiplication. And the key for us as a church to reach that task or to accomplish that mission is for us to make disciples who multiply disciples. We have to. We have to be the kind of disciples that make disciples and the disciples that we're making are the ones that should be making disciples as well. This is the key. So so let me me show you. I'm going to reintroduce Mark to you. Say hi again. No, I said I wasn't going to ask. Be gone, Mark. So let's say Mark leads Mila to faith in Jesus. But... he understands that his mission isn't just simply to evangelize, but it's to disciple. It's to disciple, to to help them learn and grow in their relationship with Jesus. So he doesn't just say, hey, start coming to church and then walks away and breaks off that relationship. No, he says, no, let's, let's go into Word. Let's, let's study. I'm going to give you some resources some recommendations. Let's, let's go out together. Let's, let's start sharing our faith together. And so Mark and Mila, for some reason, they go out and they start sharing their faith with people. And so while Mark reaches his friend Maverick or his neighbor Maverick, Mila herself ends up reaching her co-worker, Madison. And then Mark and Mila, they both work with Maverick and Madison to share their faith with people and disciple people and such that Maverick and Madison themselves uh, start reaching Mason and and Maisie. And they help them share their faith with people. All the while, Mark and Mila are reaching Megan and Mateo (laughs) and helping them share their faith. Guys, I'm, I'm not implying that people whose names start with M are the only one worth evangelizing. It's just really easy to keep it all in the M's, okay? But you can see what happens. You can see what happens when we actually make disciples who make disciples. When we are the kind of people who understand and prioritize discipleship as a key ministry of our lives. So if we make a disciple who disciples another disciple and we keep repeating that once every year for 10 years. You know how many disciples we then have? This is where we actually get into exponential equations which some of you were scarred by that as well. We'd have 1,024 disciples in 10 years if we decided to reach one a year and train them up and disciple them. And walk with them. And then the next year send them out to share their faith and reach someone with the gospel. Do you know how many it would be after 30 years of that kind of ministry? One billion seventy-three million seven hundred and forty-one thousand eight hundred and twenty-four. Guys, my math is not wrong. After thirty years if we replicated that ministry over and over again, we would reach the whole Western Hemisphere. And that's only if Mark alone took on the mission of multiplying disciples who multiply disciples. He'd reach every person in the Western Hemisphere. But that's just Mark. What if, what if five of us, five of us decided we'd take on the biblical mindset of multiplication and every, every year, each five of us multiplied a disciple who multiplies a disciple. What if that five of us for 10 years did that? You know how many we'd have? 9,765,625. Again, my math is not wrong. Guys, that's more than the state of Virginia in 10 years. So brothers and sisters, there. The reason scripture uses the term multiply and the reason why we have it as the first word in our mission are the same. They're the same reason and it is simply this. Multiplication entrusts every believer with the mission. Can we read that together? One, two, three. Multiplication entrusts every believer with the mission. So when we say multiply faithful followers of Jesus Christ, inherently in that, there's this corporate understanding that, yep, I'm doing that. I'm a part of it. And and by I, I'm not talking about Scott Budd. I'm I'm, I'm sitting out there with you, us, we, I, me. We are doing this. It entrusts every believer with the mission. Guys, if you were to look at the, the, the New Testament church and how it operated, the apostles weren't the only ones reaching people with the gospel, were they? Absolutely not. No, they had, they had uh, servants that sometimes get called deacons. They were reaching people, right? They were reaching people with the gospel. You had couples, husband and wife, bringing people into their home and discipling them. You had, you had people all in the church reaching out and discipling others. So the vision here of this mission is that every one of us reaching out, bringing in, discipling up, and sending out. Guys, if every one of us passionately reached, added, and taught one person to reach another person with the gospel every year, we could reach every person in this city with the gospel of Jesus in just two years. Two years is all it would take Now, of course, multiplication doesn't happen in a vacuum, right? I'm not talking about the vacuum thing. I'm talking about, like, this is the ideal situation, right? These are the ideal circumstances. If everything goes perfect and, and some reason uh, there's someone who comes to faith in Jesus every, every year, right? But, guys, first off, you and I do not have control over whether or not somebody comes to Jesus, Right? The, who has to draw them first? God. The Spirit of God has to draw them to Christ. So we can't control that. Right? Not only that, but, but the environment of, of this was kind of easy, right? These numbers, they don't take into account any problems that may arise in the church. Like, oh, I don't know. Persecution. And problems within the church? Didn't we just read about that in Acts 5 and 6? Persecution. Apostles. Leaders in the church getting arrested and beaten. Saying, don't preach the gospel. Hmm. Yet the church still multiplied. Problems within the church. Some widows were being neglected. And yet, no, they solved the issue. And what happened? The church still multiplied. Guys, that's the very context of this passage, right? So, so is, is that not the environment in which these numbers of disciples multiplied greatly? In persecution and even some problems and church hurt happening within? You think external persecution or internal problems can stop God's will in the church? No! You think problems in the church can stop God multiplying disciples? Absolutely not. In fact, in fact, if you were to read through the whole book of Acts, you can connect every massive move of multiplication with an act of persecution against the church or problems within the church. They always seem to be connected. The, the author Luke seemed to do that so well. Let me show you. Acts chapter four: Peter and John get arrested literally says very very next thing up oh, the church multiplies all right acts 5 at the beginning of acts 5 we have lying a couple that was lying within the church what happens the church multiplies Acts 5, again, we already heard about it. the apostles being beaten and charged with keep, keeping quiet. Nope, the church still multiplies. Acts chapter 7, Stephen himself is the first martyr of the faith, dying the first Christian death in, 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 as a persecuted martyr. And what happens? The church not only multiplies, it multiplies into new regions around the area. The church gets sent out on the bedrock of persecution. Acts 8, in Acts chapter 8, there's this believer who's trying to pay money for, for the ability to have Holy Spirit power and authority. That's not good. Hey, but the church still multiplies. Okay. Acts chapter 9, Saul, this guy, oh, he's ravaging the church, is what the scriptures say. He's ravaging the, ravaging the church. And what, what happened? Oh, nope. Uh, well, Saul gets saved. Hmm. Guys, you cannot stop the Lord. You cannot stop the multiplication of his bride. Neither outside persecution nor internal problems can put a halt to multiplication when the Lord is in it. Speaking of which, uh, wasn't it a really cool thing last week at our picnic for us as Christians to be mocked for our faith? I don't know, some of you who were there may not have known Others of you who were not there didn't know, don't know, but, but we were mocked for what we were doing, right? So, so we had this baptism celebration at a picnic, and, and we sang some songs on the beach, and we shared the gospel, uh, and we shared about baptism. We shared some testimonies, and, and we, we were able to baptize a brother and a sister, and And while we were there, there was a few other groups there, which was really cool. Like We we don't mind. They can can look in on the people of God. We want them to. But there were some people there. and, And while we were singing our songs about how we stand amazed at the presence of Jesus the Nazarene, one individual started mockingly yelling at us the name of Jesus over and over again. All right. Okay. Another individual, while we were playing our music, decided that she was going to turn up. Her music, really loud, which unfortunately was really inappropriate music, and I wish my kids didn't have to hear it because they were all there. And yet ministry's messy sometimes, right? And they started dancing in ways that might make some uncomfortable and trying to get other people to dance, all while we're trying to proclaim the gospel, faithfully baptize, right? Isn't that so cool? I'm saying it's about time. Right? It's about time our faith was tested and our faith was tried in the fire of persecution. Now, I'm going to say something real quick. That level of persecution is like this. There's got we got brothers and sisters around the world who when they go get baptized, they're beheaded the next day. That's persecution. But it's finally nice for us to actually be mocked for our faith and be like, nope, nope, Jesus is worth it. Okay, yeah, this is worth it. So let, um, some of you might not agree with this, but I'm gonna amen it. Let persecution come. I am tired of us being free to be comfortable in our faith. I want us to be tried and I want us to suffer in the fire of persecution so that our faith can be refined and purified. Because you remember, we don't have to escape suffering. We can embrace it as a means of God to refine our faith. Guys, I mean, Scripture over and over again shows us that it's, it's on, in, in the environment of persecution, that the church just seems to flourish and multiply over and over again. Guys, if you don't know this, that's exactly what's happening in China right now. It's exactly what's happening in China. Right? This communist country that has outlawed Christianity and outlawed proselytizing, which is basically sharing your faith. Right? They've outlawed all of it. And yet the church is multiplying rapidly. And you know what? COVID-19 served to multiply the church even more. In the environment of COVID-19, the church in China took off and multiplied like crazy. You want to know why? Because the Chinese government uses face recognition to track church members. Cameras throughout all streets and everything, and they, they, they track church members. And if they go to a gathering, they can, they can go to that gathering, shut it down, arrest the leaders, and, and quelch the church. But what came with COVID-19? You think you can recognize my face? The church boomed in a persecuted country. In fact, Christians were free to walk the streets and go to people's homes and share the gospel without any fear. Guys, we see it in scripture, we see it today. In spite of persecution from outside and in spite of problems that may happen within the church, the church will still multiply. Even people who are most unlikely to come to faith in Jesus will come. We really can multiply faithful followers of Jesus Christ. So with all of this, there's two things that I want to challenge us with. One of them is for me, but I need to bring you in on it. The other one is for us. The first one for me as a pastor. In studying for this whole uh, idea and sermon on on multiplication in the church, um, I heard a question that has haunted me. For days. And the question is one that I need to share with you because it might give an explanation for the things that happen within our church. Here's the question. Remember, keep in mind that I'm responsible for the vision of, of the mission of our church. I'm responsible for cultivating leaders to accomplish the ministry of our church. Keep that in mind when I show you this question. If someone were to perfectly participate in everything that we do together as a church, who would they become? I'm not talking about I attend a church once a month. I'm talking about they're here every Sunday, they're here every Monday night, they're here at a life group. Everything that we offer, they're at. If they were to attend everything, if you were to attend everything, who would you become? My fear, my fear is that we'd become comfortably entertained and spiritually overweight Christians educated far beyond our obedience with no awareness of the spirit within us, the coming kingdom of God, or our God-given purpose. I'm not saying that's what we are. But there's a way that we can organize what we do where we become that. So what that means for me is that we need to really evaluate what we're doing as a church and maybe get rid of some of the good things that we have to intentionally focus on disciples making disciples, on discipleship that multiplies. So, so what that means then is all of my efforts as a pastor, as, a, as an elder in this church will be to strategize and, and, and sweat and minister according to the multiplication of disciples, not the entertainment of Christians. So that's how this is landing for me. What about for you? I need to do this quickly. What about for you? Here's what I'm sensing. I threw out numbers like nine billion, five hundred sixty thousand, hundred people, five. That was not a number. I'm not a math tutor anymore. That can get overwhelming. Right? Oh, wait, we've got to reach, we've got to reach 9 million people? We've got to read our, reach our state? Whew. So you, you can get overwhelmed, and then what happens when we get overwhelmed? Most of us get paralyzed. Or we start solving that problem through solutions that don't work. Guys, I'm not saying that we are responsible to reach every person. No, I'm saying disciple one and then just repeat. Can we say this together? One, two, three. Disciple one and repeat. That's all I'm asking. That would be multiplication. Repeated addition. So will you decide today that you will reach at least one person with the gospel of Jesus and then help them grow in their faith and reach one? Start there. Don't look to the 10, three, four people. Look to the one. Think of the one. Disciple the one, and then repeat. And if you have a lot of hesitancy about sharing your faith, right, if, if you've got fear, whatever it is, uh, we can talk. We're going to have some training coming up for that. But regardless, will you decide today to reach at least one and help them reach one? Who knows? We might see a movement of multiplication happening in our little church, in our little city. But it starts with you. Disciple one, and repeat. And there and then, we will accomplish our mission to multiply faithful followers of Jesus Christ. Let me pray, Father. Um, we recognize that that the multiplication of, of faithful followers, uh, it, it, it's not solely on us, right? In fact, it's 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 predominantly on you. It's it's something that you have to accomplish through us. And it's something that we see throughout your word that you desire, that you delight in, that that we get to be a part of. And so God, our our humble desire would be that you would multiply disciples here, that you would engage every single one of us, no matter how inadequate, no matter how uh, broken we may feel, no matter how uh, desperate or, or depressed we may be. God, I pray that you would awaken all of our souls to this incredible mission to multiply faithful followers of Jesus Christ, that we would do our part, every single one of us, discipling one and then repeating. So God, would you equip us and enable us, bring to our minds that one who you desire for us to reach and may we go without hesitancy and may the word of God here, may your word increase and multiply throughout this land. We love you. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope this message helps you multiply faithful followers of Jesus Christ. For more information about our church, please visit waynesborofm.com.